We're in Lesson 9, and we're going to look at the topic of world religions. Now, basically what we've been doing in this series is talking about living in a pluralistic world. I don't know if you realize that, if you listen to the news, if you don't realize the culture that we live in. I mean, we're, we're becoming less and less of a Christian nation, although a majority claim to be Christian, but that could mean anything, okay? We're actually becoming more and more secular, and we're more and more open to different beliefs and so forth. And so we're going to, we've been talking about how do we communicate the gospel, how do we share about Jesus in this world in which we live in. And so today, finally, we're going to talk about world religions, you know, we've looked at the Christian cults last week, we've looked at mainline churches, we looked at the Catholic Church and Orthodox Church and so forth. Today we're going to talk about world religions. Okay, so I've got some general observations I want to make, and uh, I think you'll find it pretty interesting. First of all, most Americans believe that all religions lead to eternal life. I think the statistics say somewhere between 60 and 70 percent of Americans believe that all religions lead to eternal life. Now, here's the scary statistic. Of those who claim to be Christians, born-again believers, 52% of them believe. That's in the church. You know, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Okay? In the church today, 52% of Christians in America believe that all religions lead to eternal life. Isn't that interesting? Okay? Despite the exclusive claims from Jesus. So that's where Americans are at. Now here's the problem. This view is based on ignorance. When you have an American say that, now the reason why Americans say that is because we compartmentalize things in our lives. So, you know, we have our church hat we put on, and so we talk about religious things there. We have our work hat, and we're, we're one way at work. And then we have our home hat, who we are with our family and stuff. And then we have our alone hat, who we are by ourselves, or who we are, and then there's the hat, who we are with our buddies. And so we tend to compartmentalize everything in our lives. And so spirituality and what we believe is only one component of our life. When you talk about world religions, though, it's completely different when you talk about people groups. So if you go to North Africa... Their whole way of life and their whole way of existing is centered around Islam. When you go to Asia, their whole way of life, their whole way of existing, everything is permeated by their belief in Buddhism or their belief in Hinduism or in Shintoism, if they're in Japan, or in many of the different belief systems that they have in China. It's completely different. Their whole life is permeated by what they believe. So when you say to them that they all lead to heaven, you're basically just saying that from your American perspective. And that's really ignorance. Okay? It really is ignorance because for us, it's just a minor part of our lives. should be a major part if you know Jesus. But for Americans, it's just a minor part. We kind of put it off to the side. So it's a, belief, it's a view that's based on ignorance. And we're going to see why it's based on ignorance. Because, first of all, there are a diversity of religions. Now, we're going to look at probably four of them today. But, my folks, there are multitudes of religious beliefs. 
multitudes. Now, we're going to look at some of the four major groups, but there are multitudes. Okay? And so what do we believe? So what do these different groups believe? So we're just going to give you some general statements here, and I'm going to try to help you to understand some of the groups and where they're at on some of these things, and then we're going to look at the four groups. So first of all, some believe that there is nothing beyond the grave. Some believe that there is nothing beyond the grave. It's a state of non-being. Okay? So, like, for instance, Confucianism. I think everybody's heard of Confucius from China and so forth. Confucianism believes in this. Taoism. That's T-A-O-ism. Taoism believes this. Okay? Here's the other one. Some believe in reincarnation. Now, we've heard that. We joke about that in the U.S. We also have Americans who kind of claim this. We have American Christians who talk about this. Okay? And it's a cycle. It's an endless cycle of birth and death and birth again, death, until you reach an eternal state. We'll talk about that a little bit more when you get to Hinduism. So some believe in reincarnation. So this would be Hindus, Buddhists, Jainists. Okay? Some believe that you can become a god. Now, we already talked about this with the Mormons, but Shinto, which is a Japanese religion, believes that you can become a god or a kami or a lesser god. Okay? So this is another religion. Some believe in a destiny based on works. Okay? So some believe that your destiny is based on your works here. Islam is that way. You have to... You have to Complete the five pillars. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Sikhism. Zoroastrianism is another one. Okay? These all believe that your destiny, what's going to happen to you, is based on works. Some believe that eternal life is a state of being. So those who hold to the Baha'i faith. Okay? And I think in Clearfield County, I think there's one who holds to this, according to the statistics. One person in the entire county, okay, holds to the Baha'i faith. You're, you're kind of like, wow, yeah, that's very true. You'd be surprised, folks. Not everybody's a Methodist in Clearfield County if they're not a Catholic, okay? All right? So some believe eternal life is a state of being. Now, what, now what is that? For the Baha'i, it means that heaven and hell is a state of being. All right? So... That's what we're going to see here, is that we've got some general observations. So let's kind of get into them. Let's, let's hit the first one, which is Islam. Now, I want to go up over Islam because this one is the one that Americans seem to be, especially in the Christian church today, we're so really freaked out over. Okay? We're really freaked out over, and it has to do with what? What happened? Yeah, 9-11, the terrorist attacks. And then every time we see about Muslims on the news... It's what? Extreme. Okay? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you that probably for 90% of the Muslims, they're pretty moderate. That's like an extreme faction. That would be like, okay, saying that all Christianity is represented by Westboro Baptist Church. Does anybody know who that is? Westboro Baptist Church. What have they been doing lately? Yeah, they picket funerals for soldiers and stuff, you know, and, and they, they say that this soldier died because of 
because God hates gays and stuff. Now, would you say that's representative of us, of, of believers in, in the United States today? Is that an extreme? But isn't that what the press focuses on? Do you understand? When you talk about the press, most of them are secularists, humanists, who have no, no opinion of any religion. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, in fact, let me just kind of tell you what the statistics are, and you'll think this is pretty interesting. First of all, only about 0.6% of Americans claim to be Muslims. 0.6%. Now, let's, let's kind of add that up here for a minute, okay? I'm going to break out my calculator here. So if I take 0.6% times 300 million, that's how many? That's only 1.8 million. That's not many people, is it? Did you understand what I'm saying? And the chances of you meeting one are minimal. Now, supposedly they're taking over the country. Huh? Yeah, it's a goal, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we have a goal to reach all of America for Jesus. How are we doing? Okay. So, I mean, here's, here's, here's the reality. There are more Mormons. Remember what I gave you the statistic last week? There are more Mormons than there are Islamists. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a small percentage. In fact, most of them are only in, do you know where they congregate at? Detroit, Michigan is a major center, okay? Mostly around cities. Do you understand? Mostly around cities. And there are different groups of Muslims. So you have Arab Muslims, but for years we've had in this country black Muslims. Okay? Louis Farrakhan, you know, Malcolm X, if you remember Malcolm X and so forth. So we're talking a different mindset here. Okay. Now let's go on. Islam has 1.3 billion followers worldwide. I think Christianity has more worldwide, but Islam has 1.3 billion. Now let's talk about a little bit some basics about Islam. Islam was founded in 622 uh, by Muhammad the prophet in Mecca. So Islam was founded in 622 by Muhammad the prophet in Mecca. Though it is the youngest of the world world's great religions, okay, Muslims do not view it as a new religion. In fact, they view it as a completion. What do you mean a completion? Well, they believe that the Old Testament prophets are their prophets, Jesus is their prophet, but then there was the final prophet with the complete revelation, which is in the Quran, okay, and that was Muhammad. He is the final prophet. In fact, they believe that it's the same faith taught by the prophets, that's what I just said, Abraham, David, Moses, and Jesus. Muhammad is the last prophet. The two sacred texts of Islam are the Quran and the Hadith. All right, let me just stop for a moment. You know, we've, we got the nut that, we talked about the Westboro Baptist being nuts. There's the other guy down in Florida now who is making his name by burning Korans, okay? And so he thinks that's cool. And some of you maybe thought, hey, that's cool too. 
Well, it's not cool. So what would you do if somebody decided that they were going to have a publicity stunt and they had a big pile of Bibles and they were going to burn that? How would you feel about that? Yeah, you'd be pretty ticked off. Here's what I'm saying. We Put everything in perspective. So you're talking about the sacred text of a people group. That's pretty offensive, right? Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's like, that's like attacking home. That's like taking your photo albums. Remember photo albums before digital? Now you got them all on, de- on the computer and you hope that the computer doesn't crash and you'll lose them all? Okay? You know, it's like somebody taking something sacred to you and burning them. That's why there's a reaction. You know, we look at it and say, well, man, why are they rioting over there? Well, they can't believe that we would do something like that. So that's their two sacred texts. Here's the other thing. The duties of all Muslims are known as the five pillars of Islam. Number one, recite the Shahada at least once. I don't know what the Shahada is, but that's one of their, their pillars, okay? Here's the other one. We do know this. Pray five times a day while facing the Kaaba in Mecca. So they pray five times a day facing the Kaaba in Mecca. So wherever they are, they pray. Here's the other one. They're pretty good at this. They donate regularly to charity via 2.5% charity tax. So they give. They give regularly. And, and, and also, beyond that, through gifts to the needy. That's all part. They have to do that because that's all part of them attaining heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's the other thing. They fast during the month of Ramadan. Now, their fasting is a little bit interesting. They, they go without food during the day to a certain point at night, and then at night they eat. And they eat big. Okay? But... They fast during the day on Ramadan. Uh, and then you have to, if you're, if you're a, a devout Muslim, you have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in a life. You have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca in Saudi Arabia at least once in your lifetime. All right? Now, here's the thing that you need to understand. They are the most difficult to reach with the gospel. You say, Why? Well, if you happen to meet one and you happen to engage in conversation with it, with somebody who's a Muslim, the first thing you don't want to do is say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They're not going to accept that. That is blasphemous to them. Why is that blasphemous? Well, they believe in only one God, Allah. And for them, you have to understand, in their mindset, if you say to them that Jesus is the Son of God, you're saying that Jesus is the Son of Allah, okay, Here's what happens. In their mindset, they're thinking, well, it's not possible for God to have sex. He's so holy to have sex with Mary so that she's pregnant. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you say that, that's like saying God has sex with Mary. That's offensive to them. It would be offensive to you too, would it not? Hopefully it would. That concept is beyond our thing. But they take that very extreme. So you have to approach it differently with them. You have to engage in conversation with them. Like, for instance, you know, the last two years I've been going to Hong Kong and I've done a conference with a guy who's got an interesting ministry. He's reaching Muslims. And how they do it is they engage in conversation, first of all, from the Quran. What does the Quran say about Jesus? 
And then from there they move over to the Bible. And it's through that, the Holy Spirit giving them understanding, that they're able to then come to a comprehension that Jesus is who he is. Because you have to understand, to a, to a Muslim, the Quran tells them that Jesus didn't die on the cross. You understand? They don't believe that he died on the cross. You understand what I'm saying? They also believe, so you have to understand, the Quran tells them that Abraham didn't offer up Isaac. Abraham offered up Ishmael. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what you do is, is you get, engage in conversation with them, and that leads them. Now, there's another interesting phenomenon that's been happening over the last 10 to 15 years. And there's an interesting book out called Dreams and Visions. And it's a missions book, and it's a really interesting book. I've read the book, and it's, it's about a phenomenon that's only happening among Muslim, Muslim people groups. And that is that they are receiving a visit from a white visitor. And it's Jesus coming to them. And they all say the same thing. They have a pattern now to know which, which ones are true and which ones are not true. Do you understand what I'm saying? They have, a, they have an understanding of when they know this is a true experience among them and when they're not. So, for instance, like the white visitor will come, they'll feel complete peace, complete acceptance, complete love. They all recognize him for who he is immediately. They all know him immediately as, this is Jesus. Almost always, he points, he doesn't share the gospel and they get saved because, nobody gets saved because of the experience. You understand that? That's the other thing. No one gets saved because of the experience. What happens is, is because they meet him in the dream or vision of the white visitor with Jesus, he then points them, he shows them, I want you to talk to this person in the square tomorrow. And it's the Christian. You know, so many times I'll have more, more than one visit with him before they go and talk to the Christian. And then the Christian shares with them or the Christian gives them a Bible and they become followers of Jesus. This is a phenomenon. It said of the people who are coming to Christ in the Middle East right now, one out of three have had a visit with the white visitor. In fact, conservatively, they're saying, from conservative mission groups, they're saying it's, you know, like one out of five. That's a conservative, even one out of five, holy cow. Do you know what I'm saying? In fact, they said it's, it's very not uncommon in the papers, like in Palestine, in like uh, the, the West Bank and so forth, to see an ad in the paper. I've had a visit from a white, I've had a, a visit from the white visitor. Can somebody explain it to me? That's an ad in a paper. Very common ad. One out of five Muslims who are coming to Christ. And there are thousands of Muslims who are coming to Christ, folks. I know this through the missions group that I'm in. I have met a person who's had this kind of visitation. So this is real. And, and like, for instance, the book is written by a gentleman from Dallas Theological Seminary. Okay, now what, what do you know? What do you mean by that? Well, that may not mean anything to you, but that is a very conservative seminary, and so this is a grad who, who's from there who's saying, "Yeah, this has happened." Now, it's only happening among Muslim people groups, and it's even happening here in the United States among Muslims. So it's it's an interesting phenomenon. 
you know, it's, it's what it ends up doing is it causes them to search. Now, some people would say immediately, you might be a skeptic here, and you say, well, I don't know if I believe that, George. And he talks about this in a book. He says that most Westerners are totally skeptical of it. And so, in fact, he gets asked all the time, how do you know that this is true? And here's what he says. Almost 100% of the people who have had one of these visitations are willing to die for Jesus, literally give their lives for Christ. Yeah, they do. They killed him. Yes. Yeah, if you convert from, here's the thing, if you convert from Islam to another faith, that's the death penalty. They will kill you. Your family will kill you. And here's the thing, they're willing to die for Jesus. And his whole point is, is how many Americans are willing to die for their Jesus? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we're not faced with those kind of consequences. This is how serious they are about it. So, you know, for years, let me explain to you, from a mission standpoint, for years, for at least 20 or 30, well, you know what, I've been a Christian now almost 30 years, more than that, for probably about 40 or 50 years now, Christianity has been praying, the Western church has been praying for what's known as the 1040 window. Anybody have ever heard of the 1040 window? Okay. The 1040 window is... It covers all of North Africa all the way over into Asia. And that's where most of the world's population who do not know Jesus are. With the prominent groups being Buddhist, Hindu, and Islam. So it sounds to me like Jesus is interested in Muslims coming to Jesus, right? Let's go on. Hindus. About 0.4% of Americans claim to be Hindus. Claim to be Hindu, okay? There are about 900 million Hindus in the world, while most live in India. So there's 900 million in the world, but most of them live in India. I think the population in India is a billion, isn't it? I think it's more than a billion in India, as far as the population. Well, it has to be if there's 900 Hindus, okay? There's actually several religions in India. This is the most prominent. Okay, The origins of, of, of Hinduism can be traced to the Indus Valley civilization sometime between 400,000 and 2500 B.C. Wow. I mean, so this goes way back. Okay, so this is an old world religion. Can I move on? Because we've got to keep plugging here. Though believed by many to be polytheistic, so many people like Westerners will look at it and say, oh, well, they worship many gods. Because when you go to India, they have millions of gods. Millions. Okay? So but the basis of Hinduism is a belief in the unity of everything. The basis of their belief is not their multiple gods. It's that everything is unified. Okay? The unity of everything. The purpose of life is to realize that we're going to be, we are a part of God, and by doing so we can leave this plane of existence and rejoin with God, is the basis of Hinduism. With a Hindu, enlightenment can only be achieved by going through cycles of birth, life, and death. 
So you, you, you basically go through cycles until you reach enlightenment. Now, one's progress towards enlightenment is measured by his karma. Now, we're familiar with the term karma, right? But here's what karma is. Karma is the accumulation of one's good and bad deeds, and this determines the person's next reincarnation. So based on how you live your life now, will determine what your next reincarnated state will be. So, I mean, if you're good, if you have a good karma, you, you move up. If you're bad, you may move down, even to the point, and, and a Hindu will believe that you can come back as an animal. This is why they are not into killing animals. Do you understand? Hindus do not, like, for instance, they find the cow very sacred. Okay, like people look and say, man, you're starving. Look at all the cattle there. Well, it's because they don't they don't kill. They believe that that somebody came back. Okay, so so that's what we're, I want you to point out there. Let's talk about Buddhists. About 0.7 percent of Americans claim to be Buddhist. There are 376 million Buddhists in the world. Most live in Asia. Again, this is another one of the old world religions. Buddhism developed out of the teaching of Siddhartha Gautama. Okay. Gautama. Siddhartha Gautama. In, or here's the thing, in 535 B.C., he reached enlightenment and assumed the title the Buddha. Now, he promoted the middle way as the path to enlightenment rather than the extremes of, mort- of the mortification of the flesh or he- hedonism. Okay, those are two extremes. you got where you don't do anything, the mortification of the flesh, versus you can do everything. So he, he chose the middle way. Long after his death, Buddhist teachings were written down. So they weren't written down until long after he died. Like Hindus, Buddhists believe in reincarnation and that one must go through cycles of birth, life, and death. So they're like like the Hindus. In fact, uh, you know, scholars believe that... Uh, Siddhartha came out of Hinduism, because he was in India, okay? He came out of Hinduism. But here's the thing. After many such cycles, if a person releases their attachment to desire and self, they can uh, attain nirvana. Here's the other thing. In general, Buddhists do not believe in any type of God, the need for a savior, prayer, or eternal life after death. In general. That's not necessarily true for everyone. In fact, since the time of Buddha, Buddhism has integrated many regional religious rituals, beliefs, and customs. Because as it has spread across Asia, it's somewhat synchronistic in that it has incorporated some of the local regional beliefs and customs and rituals. So, for instance, a Buddhist in Thailand is going to be different than a Buddhist in China. 
or a Buddhist in the United States. In fact, there are three main groups of Buddhism. Zen Buddhist. Zen Buddhist. There's the uh, Theravada Buddhist. And the third one is the Tibetan Buddhist. Now, you hear about them in the news. The Tibetans. That's the Dalai Lama. He's part of the third group. Now, here's the problem with what I just shared with you. Here's the problem with what I just shared with you. Because you could say, oh, come and study Buddhism. Find out how to... Here's the problem. Because of the diversity of the Buddhist traditions, this generalization, everything I just told you right now, is no longer true for all Buddhists. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just gave you some general... I mean, generalizations. Okay, all of these are generalizations. But because of the diversity of the Buddhists, they're, they're, because of the diversity between their traditions, what I've just shared with you is not necessarily true for every group. Now, how do you say, okay, well, how do you, what do you do then? If you're going to talk, I think you need to talk to them and find out what they believe. There's nothing wrong with finding out what they believe. First of all, you've got to find out what they believe if you're going to help them understand your Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You just can't have a blanket approach. This is what you do with a Buddhist. No, that's, that's not possible. And first of all, let's, 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 let me just address that for a moment. The simplistic approaches that we're used to, think about how ridiculous they are. So, I mean, all of us here know Catholics, right? Is every Catholic the same? Are they? Do they all believe the same? Are they all at the same level of devotion? You kind of have to, when you deal with them, you can't have a blanket approach and say, this is how you talk to a Catholic. You can have a framework, but you need to talk to them. Get to know them to help them along. We're used to just giving simple presentations, pray a prayer and you're okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not the point. The point is for them to come to understand who Jesus is and accepting them as his Savior. So, all right, let's talk about the next group, Sikhs. There are 23 million Sikhs in the world, while most live in Punjab, India. Okay, remember the uh, shooting that happened back up in, I think it was Wisconsin, just here a few months ago. Somebody attacked the temple and killed a bunch of folks. That was a Sikh temple. Here's the problem. Most Americans often mistake uh, Sikhs as Muslims because the men wear turbans. You won't be surprised how many times I've gone, I've been, I've been flying with somebody who's an American or something who doesn't have any understanding, and like we're in, in a major airport, like in New York or something, and you'll see a guy walking around, he's a custodian, and he's got a turban on his head, and you talk to somebody, even if it's just a fellow passenger or something on a plane, and, he'll, and they'll make a stupid statement like, boy, I didn't know they had Muslims working here. Well, yeah, they probably do have Muslims working here, but who you thought was a Muslim wasn't a Muslim. It was a Sikh. Okay? He's of Indian descent. He's not Arab. Okay? And uh, so they wear, uh, they wear uh, turbans. They also carry a sword. Okay? Now, this is the problem in the U.S. is that we're not kind of comfortable with people walking around with swords on in public. But if you were in India, you would see them with their swords. Okay? Now, here's what they... It was found 
uh, founded in the uh, Punjab area of India. Now, they believe in God, but let me, let me explain it to you. Sikhs believe in a single, formless God with many names who can be known through meditation. It should be meditation, not mediation. Here's the other thing. Sikhs pray many times a day. They pray many times a day. Here's the other thing about the Sikh. They do not worship idols. You can't claim that they worship idols. They are prohibited from worshiping idols or icons. They also believe in samsara, which is the cycle of life, birth, life, and death, karma, and reincarnation as the Hindus. They believe the same thing. However, they do reject the caste system. Now, let me explain to you what the caste system is. In India, they have a caste system where peoples, tribal peoples, are at different levels. So you have people that are considered clean or unclean people. There are lower caste people. The lower caste peoples are the ones who would deal with the garbage or who deal with leather workers or people who are animal herders and things like that. They're considered lower caste. Brahm, Brahms, Brahmas are considered higher caste. And it's really a, to be honest with you, a system of suppression. Okay? It's a system of suppression there in India. And the Sikhs reject that. Okay? It comes out of Hinduism, but they reject it. Now, they believe that everyone has an equal status in the eyes of God. Okay? So they believe that everyone has an equal status in the eyes of God. Well, let me give you some things to consider as we're finishing up here. Okay, here's the, th- here's the point I wanted to make. I've been making it all through this series. Number one, treat people with respect. You're going to, as our culture increasingly becomes pluralistic, now, out here in our microcosmic world of, of Clearfield County, where, you know, uh, we're 99% white, okay, and we're either Catholic or Protestant, a majority, okay, uh, you're going to become increasingly more and more in contact with people who believe different things uh, from a different world religion. If you go... If you go uh, just to State College, there's a mosque in State College. You maybe didn't know that, but there is. Okay? There's a mosque in State College. Uh, you're going to meet people, especially if you go to our cities, you're going to meet people who belong to another world religion. Now, how do you treat them? I think you need to learn to treat people with respect. Just like if you're going to talk to a Catholic, if you're going to talk to somebody from a mainline church or somebody from a cult, you need to treat them with respect. Understand where they're coming from, because what you want to do is share Jesus with them, right? Ultimately, hopefully. And have you ever argued anybody into an agreement? No, you can't do that. So here's the other thing. Set aside your prejudices. Probably governing us more than anything with dealing with people who believe to another, another world religion is our own prejudices towards people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is our own prejudices. We say, well, we're not prejudiced up here, George. That's a southern thing. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I come from South Carolina. Can I be honest with you? There is more prejudice in Clearfield County than there was in Columbia, where I was at. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
There is. I mean, we've got to admit that. And so when people are different from us, we've got a problem with them. Okay? Here, don't allow the news to dictate your feelings. Some of you are news junkies. I understand. I'm a, I'm a recovering news junkie. Okay? Alright? I'm not doing too well lately. Okay? And if you listen to a lot of negative things on the news all the time, especially towards a people group, what are you going to think about them? You're not going to like them. You're going to have natural feelings against them. So don't allow the news to dictate your feelings. Here's the other thing. Don't get into arguments. Actually, folks from these people groups may actually be interested in talking to you about what they believe. They're actually quite interested to talk to you about religious things. Now, there's a point where they'll stop it. Okay? They'll end the conversation. But they'll have more conversations with you. They'll think about what you're saying. So it's talking about being in a relationship with them. So here's the other one. Point them to the person of Jesus Christ. Point them to what Jesus said. Muslims believe in Jesus. He's a prophet. But point them to what Jesus said. Did you understand what I'm saying? The issue isn't whether or not, like, you know, do I believe Jesus exists? No, you want to point them to the person of Jesus and all of that. Okay, I hope this series has been helpful, and uh, we want to help you as you share your faith. And we'll get ready.